0: All right, everybody, class has begun. And you know what? You guys have been doing real good in here. And if I was going to give you a grade, I would give you an A. But that's the problem. Radio ain't about doing things perfect. Who can tell me what it's really about? Frankie. Uh... Scoring chicks? No. no. See? No. Eleni? Getting wasted. No. Come on. No. Leonard.
1: Sticking it to the man?
0: Yes! But, you can't just say it, man. You gotta feel it in your blood and guts! If you wanna do radio, you gotta break the rules! You gotta get mad at the man! And right now, I'm the man. That's right, I'm the man! And who's got the guts to tell me off? Huh? Who's gonna tell me off? Shut the hell up! Hoffman? That's it, Freddy. That's it! Who can top him?
2: Get out of here, stupid!
0: (laughs) Yes, Alicia!
2: You're a joke! You're the worst teacher I've ever had.
0: Summer, that is great. I like the delivery because I felt your anger. Thank
3: you. You're a fat loser and you have body odor.
0: All right. All right. Now is everyone nice and mad? Yeah. Good. Time to write a
2: radio show. everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. Yeah, we're getting this music thing down. We're back in the groove. Hey, that's a, a little uh, modified clip from the movie uh, School of Rock. You know what, I was just uh, watching TV and watching uh, my bride and I were getting kind of mad and we said, you know what, this is how we got to get to do a good radio show. You got to get a little teed off and... Uh, that's what we did. And I said, hey, I'm going to use that clip from uh, School of Rock. Hey, so uh, lots of stuff to uh, tee you off, whether you live in California or elsewhere. But by the end of the show, <clears throat> you're going to be embarrassed to tell people you live in California, I think. Um, hopefully it gets you mad enough that we can actually do something about it. But first, before, before I go any farther, let me introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman. President, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your direct mortgage lender, located here in Southern California. Offices all over the place. Licensed in California, Arizona, a few other states on the way. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and there are still fantastic opportunities in real estate, rates are great, prices are still affordable they're not quite where they were but there's still great deals out there if you need financing call me toll free at 855-640-2020 that's 855-640-2020 one more time day or night toll free area code 855-640-2020 if you want to uh get in touch with me but you don't want to talk on the phone Because for whatever reason you don't want me to hear your voice, or you don't want someone else to hear what you're saying, Uh, go to wccloans.com, click on Loan Center, click on Apply Now. Give me as much information as you want me to have, and uh, let me know how much information you want back. And you'll hear back from either one, uh, uh, one, either myself or one of my uh, my competent teammates, and uh, we will uh, help you fill in the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Uh, If there's any part of the show you want repeated. Go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on podcast, the podcast page, and you can hear this show as well as uh, several past shows. Or you can go uh, get, get it on podcast at uh, SoundCloud or iTunes where you can uh, subscribe for free and have it download to uh, your listen podcast listening device once a week. Follow the show on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at edhoffman. At, at ed and you can get the show on Facebook uh, Facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. And uh, with that, uh, don't forget the listener hotline. If you hear something that angers you, you know, if you're going to get mad about something I said, 855-640-2092. But if you want financing, if you want to refinance, if you want to buy a house, if you want to do a reverse mortgage, reverse mortgages are catching on like like wildfire. Uh, I guess there's a bunch of us baby boomers that, uh, you know, I used to do a... Life insurance, before I got into mortgages uh, many years ago, and uh, we used to talk about this theory called the theory of decreasing responsibility. That you know, when you're young, you've got high debts. You've got young kids. You know, you've got a lot of responsibility. And if you died, you gotta set up to raise your kids all the way, and pay off your house, and pay off your cards, and set up college funds, and take care of your wife, and all that stuff. But as you get older, your 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 house gets paid down, your kids get older, uh, your uh, debts get paid, and hopefully by retirement, you don't have a house payment, you don't have any debts, you've got lots of money in the bank, and your kids are self-supporting. So that's the concept. But today we've got a lot of us at retirement. Well, a lot of you at retirement, I'm set. But a lot of you at retirement that find yourself with more years left than you have money and the the reverse mortgages is uh, finding, hey, I got equity in my house. I just don't have any money in my bank account or I have money in my bank account. I just don't want to use it all up by the time I'm 70, or by the time I'm 69, or by the time I'm 75, you know, people are living longer. If you don't understand them, you want to find out more, eight five five six four zero twenty twenty 2020 Okay, so let's get on to what's happening. In the studio, I have Mr. Scott McAfee, uh, owner of uh, Don's Bikes. See, I didn't say Scott's Bikes. Even That's though. true,
1: I was waiting for that.
2: Owner of Don's Bikes in Redlands and Rialto, one of the top 100 bike shops in the country, rated by the bike shop people. And uh, Scotty, uh, welcome, to, welcome to the main event.
1: And as always, it's great to be back in the house. And for the next two weeks,
2: Scotty, you're going to be soloing because uh, I'll be with, uh, with Don floating around uh, somewhere between San Pedro and, see, next week I'll be somewhere close to the Panama Canal. And uh, the following week I think I'll be in uh, probably Aruba or Colombia. And uh, we're going to go on a 15 day cruise and we're going to be having some fun. Awesome. And uh, hopefully, not looking at my phone.
1: No, don't look at your phone, Ed. I'll hold down the fort. Just uh, have a good time. And uh, you just represent, this will <laughs> be like the
2: fifth day in 10 years that I haven't recorded my own show. That's right. And uh, fifth, maybe six. Okay. Maybe six. So uh, you are the uh, recipient of that. Look forward to it, up. Ed. Okay, we're gonna have some fun. So let's talk about what happened this this uh, this week. Uh, Trump made a speech at the U A at the UN on uh, Tuesday in front of the General Assembly for the first time. Portion of that speech getting the most media coverage for his remarks on North Korea. Uh, the president started out by describing some of North Korea's recent atrocities, like starvation deaths of his own people and what happened to the American college student Otto Warmbier. Uh, And for those who don't remember, they killed him. They sent him home uh, just about dead, and he died uh, about a week later. Then he gave a statement about how the U.S. will handle Kim Jong-un's nuclear threat. The United States has great strength and patience. But
4: if it is forced to defend itself or its allies, we will have no choice but to totally destroy North Korea. Rocket Man is on a suicide mission for himself. And for his regime, the United States is ready, willing, and able, but hopefully, this will not be necessary.
2: What? What more could he say? Straight to straightforward. He could have said, "I'm a, I'm a wimp, like all the rest of the presidents in the last 25 years. Uh, I've got no. Well, I know if it's 25. Well, Reagan wasn't, but all the, everybody since the, since uh, Bush
1: Senior. Well, Bush. You know what? He could have said I'm a wimp, but he didn't. Right. My guess is that the UN has never heard a speech like this before. For me, as a conservative, it was a virtual smorgasbord of fun things to listen to and things to cheer about. It's almost hard to pick out what was the best. Certainly, that's one of the top ten comments that he made was regarding North Korea. I
2: thought it was. I thought it was phenomenal. I thought, yeah. You know what? You listen. You listen to Obama say stuff. You listen to everybody say stuff. And you know, the UN. It's like, what is this group of people? It's, you know. No matter what you say, if you talk the truth, you're gonna you're gonna anger somebody in that audience. And just like when he spoke in uh, was it Saudi Arabia in front mm-hmm. of all the the leaders of forty or fifty uh, Muslim nations, you know, hey, you know what? There's no filter. There's no filter needed. You need to tell them like this. Don't assume that they get subtle hints. You're really angering me. You know, it's it's really not pleasant to know that you guys are killing people and threatening us with nuclear bombs and. Uh, uh, apparently the uh, the media didn't see it the way you and I did. Let's play uh, what uh, the the media's outrage.
5: President Trump spoke to the world today, and for anybody wondering whether he would borrow from recent tweets, make dire threats to North Korea, echo some of the name calling of the campaign, or restate the America First platform he campaigned and won on. You can rest easy. That's what he did.
2: The United States is the closest it has been to nuclear war since the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. But in 1962, no one was worried about the mental stability of the president of the United States. No one was worried about the president's reckless impulsiveness. If
4: you read the president's words, he said the
2: conditions for totally
4: destroying North Korea would be a force to defend ourselves and our allies. You could read that possibly to
5: even open up uh, a justification for for preventive war against North Korea. Uh, That is a potential justification, but the words totally destroying a a nation of 25 million people, uh, that borders on the threat of committing a war crime.
0: Why does he have to be so provocative all the That's time? Why he was We're elected. talking about yeah. annihilating millions of people. Yeah. This is not baby stuff. This is a guy who, is was, all- who was leading the apprentice as now is talking about nuclear war. I can't take it. Look, this wasn't a speech. This was a sermon. And he wasn't a president, he was a preacher up there, given his dark world view uh, about threats and conflict.
2: It's amazing how people are 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 criticizing and you know we're 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 questioning the president's mental stability it's not him it's kim jong-un
1: yeah i didn't hear any criticism of north korea there and it does give me a painful reminder of why i don't ever watch the view not that i have time because i'm at work but i mean listening to joy behar it's like listening to you know nails on a chalkboard there's almost so much stupidity there and it's almost hard to know where to respond but but you're right where's the criticism of where this conflict is originating from which is north korea yeah, and if when you think about it, you know, last week I saw
2: the movie American Assassin, and there is a scene at the end where a nuclear bomb actually goes off underwater, not real deep, but underwater, and I don't know how true to life it is. I'm assuming it's probably uh, they probably uh, lowered it down from what would really happen, but you know what? the impact of a of a nuclear weapon people forget what happened in 1945 and you guys should all go see american assassin and we'll just watch that last thing and say imagine if that happened on on land and and that on land what would happen and who knows they didn't nobody's dealing with what happens to the nuclear fallout when it's underwater i assume it goes up in the air still but uh you know what this guy's threatening us with that hey let's wait let's not be so provocative
1: who's being prov- provocative he's the guy shooting off rockets every right over the top of japan Well, exactly. And, you know, normally I'm I'm really against regime change because we've seen some really bad examples of where we have gone into areas, for example, Iraq and Libya and Egypt and done and assisted with regime change. And it's only come back to bite us in the butt. But I think this is probably one exception, because just based upon the, the, the documentaries I've seen, the information that comes out of people that have left that country, just little snippets of media that can actually get out to the outside world, I don't think it could get any worse than what they have right now.
2: Except for they'll probably, a lot of them will melt down.
1: Well, yeah, I, I guess. But the only thing is it's like, I think we have no choice but to take this guy out. Yeah, it's a, it's a question of if people
2: are going to die, we want them to die in North Korea as opposed to America. Millions of people are going to die. Yeah, they are here.
1: Well, I mean, I have a, maybe a thought of what, where is this, do you have a prediction of what's going to happen next? What do you think?
2: Do I? I, yeah. I don't see a way around. I don't, I don't honestly see... How um how we're gonna negotiate? And there's no negotiating with this guy. I see. Uh, uh, Mad Dog uh, Mattis said. I, I would think that we would probably shoot shoot some down before we when we start to really say, "Hey, we're about to go to war." Let's shoot the next one off shoot one, the next one down before, as opposed to before we bomb them, let's shoot the rocket down and let them know that, hey, we're capable. Right, just blow up the launching pad in ho- other words. Ho- well, the launching pad or slightly above it. Right. And hopefully our technology is good enough to do that. Right. But we don't know for sure. Right. You know, Reagan wanted to create Star Wars, which would have put a uh, satellites up around, and and if something something went off, it would pick them off. And everybody thought he's just a warmonger, and he's, you know, hey, he was setting us up to be safe
1: right no definitely
2: <clears throat> i'll quote joey jones who's uh, been on my show many times we don't decide when we go to war our enemies do we don't we haven't waged war with anybody we only we only react to them so cuz we're a force for good um and trump announced thursday uh on in an executive order well he signed an executive order no he had just announced it I don't know if he signed it or not. Uh, Thursday, an executive order that cracks down on anyone who does business with North North Korea. South Korea and Japan are supporting this. I heard also China this morning had said uh, China wasn't going to uh, do business with them. That problem is this
1: guy does not seem to care about any of this stuff.
2: I don't know how they're going to survive. If nobody does business with them they're
1: barely surviving now i mean you got people dying of starvation the economy's in shambles and by the way if you ever want to see a contrast between socialism and capitalism look no further than the difference between south korea and north korea it is stark um i mean when you look at the average income of a north korean which i think the average is like 30 bucks a month um I, i mean it's it's just it's an absolute disaster absolute disaster Um, And and the other issue, too, that was kind of brought up is it's not like, you know, East and West Berlin where people could, you know, if that wall comes down, people can integrate. There's concerns that the people of North Korea have been under this kind of domination for so long, they're going to have a really hard time dealing with the real world.
2: So should we go in there and help them?
1: I don't know. It's it's a a daunting task. I think South Korea and China and Japan could do that. Well, if they wanted to. I mean, China has been part of the problem, obviously, all along. So are they going to help and to what extent will they? Uh, I don't it's,
2: know. It's kind of like we've been part of the problem for uh, for the poor people. We just keep giving them free stuff, and we and we train them to to be crippled and dependent, but they don't see it.
1: Right. Oh, well, and, and certainly part of the problem for this whole mess is Clinton is Clinton's decision to basically do a, a nuclear deal with uh, with North Korea, just like what we did with Iran. How stupid is that? Giving them money. Where'd the money go? Towards the nuclear program, right? Exactly. You, bribing bad people to not do bad things. Doesn't work.
2: Yeah, I was uh, I was told a long time ago you can't get a good deal from a bad guy. You no, know, no matter how how good the deal sounds, if the if the people you're doing business with are are bad, not ethical people, don't do any deal with them because it's just not good. <clears throat> I've uh, I've learned that the hard way a couple times and uh, and thankfully I've learned from it so I've uh, avoided some deals with some people I shouldn't have so uh, all week the media has been saying that Trump's UN speech was a de- departure from what we're used to used to past presidents saying in the UN that's for sure that's an understatement remember when <laughs> remember when our last president paid paid America a backhanded compliment with his first with his final i wanted to i wanted to get something from his first UN speech when he went up there and and uh, apologized for it but this was his kind of a backhand compliment Uh, in his last UN speech.
4: But I believe America has been a rare superpower in human history insofar as it has been willing to think beyond narrow self-interest. That while we've made our share of mistakes over these last 25 years, I've acknowledged some, we have strived, sometimes at great sacrifice, to align better our actions with our ideals and as a consequence i believe we have been a force
2: for good he sounds so so sincere when he says that so
1: so proud to be an american not right i just wonder what mistakes is he talking about is he talking about some of his own mistakes like the iranian nuclear deal oh
2: no he he was He's not talking he, about his own mistakes he fundamentally uh, transformed america yeah mm, so, he did so people are people are people are blind people are blind you know what people you guys listen listen to the media and you take it at face value i hope you guys listen to what i say and go uh is he telling the truth do i believe in what he's saying and i hope you do that with everybody else you hear on the radio and everybody else you see on tv because you know some of you don't don't ever think and i maybe it's not some of you but some people that some most people in california don't listen don't think they listen to it and go, oh, okay, that must be fact. They said it on TV. It must be a fact. Well, she's Hillary Clinton. She was married to the president. She wouldn't lie. <clears throat> Director Comey. James Comey, he wouldn't lie. Yeah, right. We're finding out that's not right. So uh, speaking of Obama at the UN, uh, President Trump also spoke out against the deal Obama made with Iran since he just brought it up. We cannot abide by an agreement
4: if it provides cover for the eventual construction of a nuclear program. The Iran deal was one of the worst and most one-sided transactions the United States has ever entered into. Frankly, that deal is an embarrassment to the United States, and I don't think you've heard the last of it. Believe me.
2: Bam. I do believe you on that one because I said it at the same time. I
1: well, definitely did. You, I know. I don't know if you wondered this when I heard this. What was Obama thinking when he heard that? Because basically he's like saying Obama and his policies are an embarrassment. And John Kerry. Right. Oh, John, what, a, what
2: a bunch of morons. Morons. They're gone now, Ed. <laughs> exactly. Thank God. Yep. Hey, so here's a here's a guy who uh, is uh, universally respected uh, across the world, and and I love his opinion. Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister of uh, Israel, who lives who lives in a little small country in the middle of of uh, Muslim world in the Middle East. East, everybody around him wants to kill him and uh, kill him. I mean, the whole country. Uh, he's not. He was nodding his head during the Iran part of the speech, which uh, which and had this reaction when he stepped to the podium. Here at the UN, we must also speak the truth about Iran, as President Trump did so powerfully this morning. I've listened to countless speeches in this hall, but I can say this. None were bolder, none were more courageous and forthright than the one delivered by President Trump today. President Trump rightly called the nuclear deal with Iran, he called it an embarrassment. Well, I couldn't agree with him more. Yeah, I think uh, I would have traded straight across Obama for uh, Netanyahu. Um, I think he's one of the one of the most powerful. Uh, world leaders.
1: No, for sure. And it's almost like Netanyahu was inspired by Trump's speech, obviously, uh, which also brings up another point. If you're Jewish and you're voting Democrat, it doesn't make any sense to me. I re- I don't understand that. I don't understand that, Ed. Yeah. say Like your hey,
2: relatives. The Jewish, Jewish people uh, are more concerned with Israel than they are the United States, but they don't listen to the people of Israel because, uh, you know, uh, I thought when Trump won uh, won the election I sent a thing that said hey are the people of Israel are probably a lot happier that this happened and uh, and my sister goes no the Israeli people are not happy <laughs> I think you're wrong Renee I think uh, you're uh, got your head somewhere it shouldn't be well Netanyahu sounds pretty happy you know what's funny is I'm uh, I'm doing some business I'm doing some uh alone with uh a lady, I won't say her whole name, but her first name is Elizabeth. And uh, and I'm talking to her about the transaction she's trying to make. And I said, you know what, I'm thinking, because she's, uh, she's just a little bit older than me. And I said, I'm thinking... If you were my sister, how would I how would I uh, how would I advise you on this? And she goes, "Well, I've heard you talk about your sister. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a good thing." I say, "No, nah, I've got two sisters. I've got Lori who lives in La Mirada, and she's a Republican. I got Renee who lives in in um, Wales, North Wales, which is right out of P- Pennsylvania, and she's a she's a uh, militant uh, Democrat." Um, I'm talking about what I'd do for Renee. I mean, what I would do for Lori. Renee uh, <laughs> Renee wouldn't listen to me anyway. <clears throat> although her husband was, they were out here, went to the river with us, and we stopped at one of the houses that I was uh, I bought bought at a fire sale and rehabbed it and put renters in, and I, and I showed him, I said, hey, just stop by one of my projects, and I walked him through the house, and uh, we stopped for gas, and Mark walked up to me, and Mark's not a social person. He's got a PhD, and he does cancer research, and he's not really a conversationalist very much, but he comes up to me and goes, he goes, I'd love to do some of that stuff, but your sister won't let us take money out of, out of a, the, the, from the American Express guy.
1: <laughs> so she owns the pants in the family? Um, apparently. Hmm. Apparently. Pity.
2: I'm not sure how they had three kids. I'm not really <laughs> sure. So uh, one more part of President's UN speech was worth noting, uh, how we should handle the Syrian refugee crisis.
4: For the cost of resettling one refugee in the United States, we can assist more than 10 in their home region out of the goodness of our hearts we offer financial assistance to hosting countries in the region and we support recent agreements of the g20 nations that will seek to host refugees as close to their home countries as possible this is the safe responsible and humanitarian approach
2: you know i thought about this this morning i said you know what if canada was going through a a, it's weird thing they had refugees would we want to send them to India? Hey, let's take care of the refugees. Would would we say, hey, India is going to take this many and Switzerland's going to take this many and
1: Germany's going to take this many? Or would they just come to the United States? Well, that's a good question. I mean, but it's certainly, this is a great point is that it is, number one, far more cost effective to keep people in their, or at least close to their, their homeland than it is to transport them to Europe or to the United States and have them become dependents of those governments for the rest of their lives. The, the interesting statistic I came across, the amount of immigrants, or I'm sorry, these, these refugees that are pouring into Europe, it's like they have about a 2 to 3% employment rate. So only about 2 to 3% of them are actually getting jobs when they arrive in these countries. So what does that mean for the rest of the 95 to 98%? That means they're government dependents like, forever because they're not going back. They're not going back. So, uh, you know, number one, I cannot. Number two, the cultures are vastly different. And that's what Europe is experiencing right now is, is a war of cultures. And and for a bit of news that I've seen about it, it's not going very well. It's not going very well at all. Uh, interestingly enough, Poland, the one country that refuses to take refugees, has had zero terrorist attacks over the last six months. Or actually, last several years since it's been going on. Exactly, exactly. We're going to talk more about culture and uh, one more thing that uh, that Trump
2: said at the U.N., but... We're out of time for part one, so stay tuned for five minutes of traffic, weather, and commercials, and we'll be right back with part two of the main event. Don't go away. welcome back to part two of the main event couldn't stop couldn't stop listening to the music man i like this i like this one i like this one a lot so uh so uh my name's ed hoffman president wholesale capital corporation your local direct mortgage lender we don't talk much about finance stuff on this radio show because uh i found over the last 10 years that the more i talk about that kind of stuff the less you guys listen, and uh, and I said it was more important for you to understand the kind of person I am, so if you want to refinance your house, if you want a reverse mortgage, if you want to buy a house, if you want to get your kids to buy a house, if you want to get your brothers or sisters or friends, if you need to, uh, you know someone who needs financing and you want someone who talks and thinks and will advise you like, you would want them to call me toll free at 855-640-2020 855-640-2020 or wccloans.com and uh we're talking about what happened this week we've been talking about trump's uh, speech at the un and everybody's reaction to it we uh we just played a bunch of clips the one that we didn't get to oh also i forgot to introduce if you're just joining us i've got in the studio scott McPhee. Owner of, of Don's Bikes in uh, almost said Scott's Bikes. <laughs> Don's Bikes in uh, Rialto and Redlands, and he's uh, joining me as my co-pilot. He will be uh, soloing soloing uh, the next two weeks while uh, my wife Don and I are floating around, uh, going through the Panama Canal for a 15 day cruise. Time for another honeymoon. So, uh, but you know, we were uh, we were talking we were talking about this, and we pulled out a clip. That uh, even wasn't on our roster of notes here. And this is what, uh, what Trump said about Venezuela.
4: The problem in Venezuela is not that socialism has been poorly implemented, but that socialism has been faithfully
1: implemented.
2: Yep. The, the worst thing about socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money.
1: Yeah. And when I hear like clips like this, and there's so many, we can almost play the entire speech, but there's so many good points that he makes. And and at one point I'm thinking, gosh, all the never Trumpers and even people on the right that are still bashing Trump, it's almost like, shut the hell up. I mean, what more do you want? And I realize we haven't got everything we want thus far. He hasn't even been in office a year yet. And that's fine, I guess, to hold Trump accountable. But it's kind of like, this is everything I think we want conveyed to the world, effectively. You know what? I
2: don't think about uh, holding Trump accountable, but I think about holding Congress accountable. Yep. And uh, quite frankly, there's under no circumstances am I voting for a Democrat, but I have to think, you know, as they're, as they're voting today on another repeal and replace, which those of us in California are going to get the short end of the stick see how skillfully I didn't say the word you thought I was going to say we're going to get the short end of the stick in california because uh, the people that run california are idiots and we're just going to get we're going to get the short end of the stick man i keep stopping myself from saying what you guys are thinking <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say but it's not going to be good if they just give all that federal federal money to to uh, sacramento he's going to give it to the illegal aliens and you know what here's another thing you know what? This is this is what I can't understand. Since Obamacare came in, mine and Don's, uh, what my company pays to insure us, and we have a PPO with, uh, we're Blue Shield now. We were nine hundred dollars a month for the two of us a few years ago when it started. Today we're over two thousand, and we just got our 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 uh, prices for next year, and we went up. Blue Shield went up twenty four percent.
1: Oh, ouch!
2: Another twenty four percent. I can't believe that someone can't walk in front of Congress or the Senate and say, hey, we never had we never had anything. We never had nationalized health care. Other presidents tried to do it, including the first lady, Hillary Clinton herself, couldn't get it passed. The only way they got it passed was. Nancy Pelosi saying, you've got to pass the bill so you can see what's in it. And, uh, you know, so nobody read the whole thing and they just stupidly voted for it. No Republicans voted for it. And you, I can't believe that 187, 187 senators or uh, 48 or 187 Congress uh, representatives or uh, 48 uh, Democrat senators, that there's not seven of them that, that can say, you know what, you're right. This really isn't working out. We should repeal. If we can't come up with a replacement, let's repeal it and start over. It gives us a year to come up with something. If we can't come up with something, you know, if we got to keep the Medicare expanded a little bit or come up with a, a, a pool for people that aren't, aren't, uh, aren't insured that really need it. Um, let's do that between insurance, catastrophic plans, this kind of stuff. The world is not going to, not going to die because they can't afford, uh, Doctor visits, it's when we get diseases, when we have major injuries, car accidents, that kind of stuff. That's where the cost comes in, where it can break somebody. Catastrophic plans will be just fine. I can't believe you can't convince a few Democrats, and in the, in, there's got to be, out of 48 Democrat senators, there's got to be seven
1: that have, that have a brain in their head. You know, the funny thing, you actually inadvertently just made me feel good because I got my rate because I pay for uh, I have 20 employees and cover their health care as well for full time employees. And uh, mine only went up 10 percent. I thought that was outrageous. But actually talking to you, I feel pretty damn good. Are you You have Kaiser? No, no, I have uh, it's Health Net. Because oh. we have we have
2: Kaiser and Blue Shield and I'm sure maybe we'll look into Health Net. Cause okay. We look and we shop it every year. Yeah, shop it. Man. But uh, Kaiser didn't go up that much. But the problem is that I'm more concerned with health care than insurance. And I told uh, our uh, insurance people, I said, I really don't care. I'm not going to Kaiser. I've been to Kaiser. And the first time that uh, Dawn Don actually slipped on the tile and broke her arm, and uh, we went to emergency the night, and they wanted to say, wait for two weeks, and, I, and you'll be uh, you'll set up an appointment for a uh, orthopedic person. Wait, she's got a broken arm. She needs to see an orthopaedic doctor. Two weeks it'll start to have healed already. Oh, gotta wait two weeks before it. So fine, I took her into Kaiser the next morning and they go, We don't have any we don't have any record of you having seen a doctor at the emergency room. I go, This place is this place is no, no. I can afford my own doctor visits. Give me something where I can go to a doctor when I need a doctor and I can pick someone who's competent. And I'm saying I'm not doing Kaiser.
1: Well, the tough thing is, too, I mean, we're talking about small businesses. I mean, if and, and on the average, if your health insurance costs as an employer goes up 10% every year, that's like 100% in 10 years for those of you that can't add. And that comes right out of the bottom line of your business, which exactly. means that's money you don't have to hire people to do something productive with. So that can't just go on forever. Eventually, employers just can't afford to give health insurance for their employees. And
2: we don't have, and, but, but the loss says we have to.
1: Well, yeah, if they're full time, right. Yeah, but, well,
2: I got 130 of those. Right, so. right. So it's hard to make it's hard to make a living so uh, hard to make a living in this uh, in this country the way it is uh, hence uh, tax the hell out of the, uh, out, of the uh, out of the anybody that's creators. left
1: anybody that's left but they're bailing out folks Hey we don't want we don't we need a we need a we need to
2: have a tax tax reform for the middle class people middle class people don't pay any taxes They don't employ any people They don't do any of that stuff if you're not a high earner you're not employing anybody. <clears throat> That's just my theory. I could be wrong. I'm not, <laughs> but I could be. So let's talk about uh, the the big uh, the big uh, uh, eye opener this week. Monday night, CNN broke the story. I can't believe the communist news network broke the story. Um, they broke the story. U.S. government, which means the Obama administration, wiretapped the Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort. Both before and after the 2016 campaign, using FISA, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrants. Additionally, there are new reports that the FBI picked Manafort's front door, picked Manafort's front door lock to break into his home during that raid in August and seized materials from storage unit rented by Manafort. Here's CNN's Justice correspondent Evan Perez who broke the story.
3: This is an extraordinary step for the FBI to do surveillance on a high-ranking campaign official. And, of course, Manafort is now at the center of the Russia meddling investigation. We're told that there are inter- intercepted communications that raise concerns about whether Manafort was encouraging the Russians to help with the campaign. Now, other sources told us that this intelligence was not conclusive enough. Now, Robert, uh, Special Counsel Robert Mueller's team has been provided all of these communications, Erin.
5: So, Evan, when you say encouraging, Manafort encouraging Russians to help with the campaign. Obviously, uh, the weight of everything is on that word encouraging. What do you mean by it?
3: Right. There's there's a lot we don't know about exactly what was said. And by the way, this is beyond just wiretaps. It's also surveillance of all kinds, including searches uh, that, that the FBI is authorized to do. But we're told that the FBI has communications between suspected Russian operatives relaying what they claimed were discussions with Manafort, as well as communications involving Manafort.
2: Notice how they're not even talking about the fact that they wiretapped a private citizen. Uh, does that make any... You no, know, all they're talking about, what did they find? Did they find anything about the Russians? Did they find anything about this? What did,
1: what did they do? They get, ah, ah, they, hey, you know what? If they can do it to him, they can do it to you. Exactly. I mean, it's like they're trying to find something when there's nothing there. The real crime, the real crime here, as far as we know, and this has been going on for months now, the real crime here is not that Russia had anything to do with our election results, that's not the real the real crime. And I assume they have to have warrants to go after uh, Manafort and dig to break into his house, take his stuff. Warrants based upon what? And and th- this is just I mean I mean yeah it's 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 illegal what they're doing. Just like when they use the IRS to discriminate against conservative groups, that's the real crime here. Hello. And of course, when uh,
2: when the Republicans did it in 1973 or 1974. Uh, Watergate, when mm-hmm. they wiretapped the, the Democrats, uh, they were starting impeachment pro, uh, impeachment proceedings before uh, Nixon resigned. I don't know, that was a long time ago. Most of you guys don't remember that. So it's not known whether Trump himself was wrapped up in those wiretaps, but it is known that Manafort was living in the Trump Tower apartment during that campaign. And uh, so that makes President's tweets from earlier this year a lot more plausible. Remember these tweets back from March. <clears throat> Trump uh, put... Terrible! Just found out that Obama had my wires tapped in Trump Tower just before the victory. Nothing found. This is McCarthyism. That's that's accurate. How low has President Obama gone to tap my phones during the very sacred election process? This is Nixon Watergate. Bad or sick guy. Uh, you know, back then some conservatives weren't too sure that there was any any merit to Trump's wiretapping claims. Here's Tucker Carlson press, pressing President uh, pressing the president for evidence back in March. So, on
5: March 4th, 6.35 in the morning, you're down in Florida, and you tweet, the former administration wiretapped me, surveilled me at Trump Tower during the last election. Um, how did you find out? You said, I just found out. How well, did you learn that?
4: I've been reading about things. I read in, I think it was January 20th, a New York Times article where they were talking about wiretapping. Uh, there was an article, I think they used that exact term. Uh, I read other things. I watched your friend, Brett Baer, Uh, The day previous where he was talking about uh, certain very complex sets of things happening and wiretapping. I said, wait a minute, there's a lot of wiretapping being talked about.
2: Do you think he really found out about it by watching Fox News shows?
1: Uh, doubtful. Uh, I think once you assume office or you're even, you know, the president elect, you get all kinds of information. I think Obama figured that Hillary was going to be elected so he could <clears> get away <throat> with this kind of crap. I mean, they didn't see Trump winning. So they figured that the idea of, of tapping uh, Trump's operatives, Trump's campaign people, they figured they were going to get away with it because certainly Hillary wasn't going to pursue any investigation into this.
2: Yep. Obama's a scumbag and it's coming out loud and clear and i hope someone i so hope someone has has the uh guts to go after uh obama on top for all the crimes that he committed and he's not allowed to well he's not president he can't pardon himself anymore and how about uh and hillary clinton as well as eric holder as well as uh susan rice susan rice and hillary clinton and uh you know james comey all these guys that are... Eric that, Holder. It's, it's all coming out. It's all... You know, Eric Holder, our uh, former attorney general, who's now an attorney on retainer for the state of California with our tax money. Score. Amazing. <clears throat> amazing. If this stuff doesn't make you mad, check your pulse. You might be dead. So, uh, ungrateful dreamers. Remember last week when uh, some conservatives were mad at Trump for uh, working with Chuck Schumer? You know what's amazing? I heard Chuck Schumer... I mean, didn't even get this clip. I heard him say... You know, on the on the uh, repeal in place. Now they're trying to get us get people to vote on stuff they haven't had a chance to read and they don't understand. Uh, that's how we got Obamacare there, buddy. Um, about nine years ago. So remember last week when uh, they were mad at him for working with Schumer and Pelosi on tax reform in DACA? At her own press conference in San Francisco on Monday. You know, that's where uh, Pelosi's from, San Francisco. The go figure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Pelosi was shouted down by liberal protesters who were mad at her for working with Trump.
4: For a long time, we've been fighting the fight for the Dreamers. My colleagues. Dreamers. Do you want to do you want to hear an answer, or do you just want to shout? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes I am. yes, I am. You do not. You are a liar. You are a liar. You, are a liar. you, are a liar. you don't know what I you're talking liar.
1: about. You are a liar. By the way, oh, out of, 11 million. I want to confess, I was the one leading the you are a liar chant.
2: I know I was <laughs> I was I was working, so I didn't get a chance to. Okay. But I, I could tell I could hear your voice in there.
1: Nice, yeah. The only thing I could say, you, you almost have to see the visual of this because there's plastic face Pelosi, you know, trying to calm down this crowd. It's just so funny. I mean, the only thing that could have made this any better is if somebody would have thrown a shoe at her. <laughs> you
2: know, that would be good. <laughs> that
1: Would have been hilarious. That would be good. But now, now even now, you know
2: what? How how uh, if you watch uh, Dinesh D'Souza's movie, uh, uh, Hillary's America. Or you read his book uh, "Stealing America," or his new book. Uh, what's his new book called? Uh, can't can't even think of it. But it's about uh, similar to Hillary's America, except for instead of races, he's talking about uh, anti-fascism. Mm-hmm. And you know, we had uh, Dinesh on the show about three weeks ago. Um, if you read that, you read that, you realize that the Democrats changed their tune to get minorities on their side, and now finally minorities. Maybe they maybe they distributed to the Dreamers. <laughs> To the uh, illegal aliens, to the, uh, to, the uh, to the to the to uh, the all the minorities, a copy, a free copy. You know, I don't think they'd go paid to see this,
1: but you know, I guess if you give me a free DVD, man, I watch it. You know, the funny thing about all of this, it's almost like the left has created this monster, and now the monster is is eating its own. You know what I mean?
2: Yep, I do. <laughs> yeah.
1: So then Tucker Carlson has dreamer
2: named Ivan Sija. Uh, on his show uh, this week to comment. First question, why the hostility and lack of gratitude from the people who are benefiting so much from the United States?
3: I, b- I believe that undocumented immigrants, DACA recipients are simply reacting uh, to what's continued being continuing to being done over years, and that is, they're talking about us, but they're not talking with us. They're not including us in the conversations. And this is something that's going to be addressed. Both parties will be held accountable. Uh, people uh, have something to refer to, records, uh, to under- indicate how promising these agreements can be. And that's voting record. We're going to be holding people on both sides of the party who at some point may have voted against us. And that's all we have. That's the only premise whoa, 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 we have. Whoa, whoa, for whoa, how wait, hold, on hold on, on, hold on, hold
5: on, hold on, slow down. You're issuing a threat and I want to understand what that threat means. You're saying is an illegal here. Not, you're not a U.S. citizen. You're saying you and other non-U.S. citizens are going to hold U.S. citizens accountable for not being nice enough to non-U.S. citizens. Is that what you're saying?
2: Yeah, exactly. How are you going to hold both parties accountable if you can't vote? Yeah, Hello, everybody. Voter fraud—that's because they know something we don't know. They're voting.
1: You, you are not entitled to representation, and it's—it's kind of hilarious because even the whole entitlement mentality, which we see certainly pervasive amongst millennials in this current uh, current state, uh, even even the illegal aliens have this entitlement mentality. How funny is yeah, that? They, they're entitled. <laughs> they're hey, you know the only reason I'm on TV is because I'm not a
2: legal citizen. <laughs> but hey, we're going to hold you accountable because we're. But let me just play the next clip.
3: What I'm saying is that these elected officials are there to represent all constituents including undocumented immigrants that live in these communities and although we do not vote them in directly, we do take great part in our community and also ask to be represented. We are paying taxes, we are contributing to the community and we just ask for representation.
1: They pay taxes? Um, they do not. I mean, the very fact that if you're illegal and you're being hired, uh, you do not pay income tax, which is the reason why illegal aliens have been encouraged to come in in the first place, so that employers can dodge the whole system, pay people far below prevailing wages, and, and not pay not pay health care, not pay Social Security, not pay all the other crap all that you and I have to pay every payroll period. And uh, what's amazing is uh, I pay 52%
2: between uh, 39.6% uh, federal and 13.3% state and that doesn't count sales tax. That doesn't count property tax. That doesn't count all the other taxes and the fees, gas tax, all that other tax. By the time you get done, 70% of every dollar that I, I make has to go back to taxes. These guys pay sales tax. What else? They don't have houses because they, they can't have houses, so they're not paying property tax. What else are they paying? You're paying taxes.
1: Well, what's not discussed also is the net drain to our economy. In other words, in terms of health care, in terms of incarceration, in terms of education. How, m- how many billions of dollars does that cost? We're getting there. Yep. Let's play the next clip.
2: We
3: want to be protected. We want to have relief that includes our parents, our brothers, our uncles who don't
5: fit the typical dreamer narrative per se. But why do you have a right to demand anything? I mean, if I should, and by the way, let me just be really clear, for the fifth time, I'm sympathetic to a lot of the DACA people because they didn't choose to come here illegally. But it, I'm more sympathetic to American citizens because I am one, and I have something in common with them because they're Americans too. And so I don't understand on what grounds you make these demands. If I show up in someone else's country and say, you know what, I demand to have a voice in the political system here, I demand benefits, I demand respect they say, buzz off, pal, leave. Like, you have no position from which to demand those things.
2: You know what I got out of that? Hmm. Hey, buzz off is another good word we can use on the radio. Okay, so we're allowed to use that word. Exactly. But, you know, he says, hey, what about our parents and our aunts and our uncles? Guess what? That's one of the problems that we have here. We, you know, immigration department uh, approves one person to come into this country and then they get to uh, extend, automatically They get to bring their extended family, their aunts, their uncles, their cousins, their kids, their parents, everybody. And say you know what? That's why our country is so so massively screwed up.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of like where's the end of that extended family? They could have like a hundred family members Ed, that poor. in. I like got to
2: have my sister and my sister's uh, husband. He's uh, he's a radicalized uh, immigrant from uh, Syria, but he married my sister. So I guess you know what? <laughs> People come here to find husbands and wives so they can immigrate legally legally here, and then as soon as they as soon as they get their uh, okay to be here. Uh, they split up. You don't think it happens everywhere else?
1: Well, yeah, the funny thing is, I would really like to know, and I haven't heard this discussed anywhere. But how does Mexico handle their dreamers? In other words, people that come there from El Salvador, Guatemala. Let's say just somebody who's born of an illegal alien in Mexico that came from south of their border. What does Mexico have as far as a policy for them?
2: And then let's then let's consider this. Hey, you know what? This is no fault of our own. We were brought here when we were infants. Guess we but we want our parents in here. Well, your parents are the ones that broke the law in the first place. Exactly. We should have we should have a right to that. A right to that. You know what? As a as a highly taxed taxpayer, it angers me. I wanna tell them to buzz off. <laughs> Is that the word? Yeah, with, with Buzz a, off. I wanna I wanna put some extra extra exclamation points behind it or something. Uh so here's let's play one one more clip from that.
5: And so you think that all of your push relatives and pull factors. Yeah. To come There's here push too. and pull
3: factors for this immigration. You know, their pull factors being that we are the largest economy and we require workers to sustain it. Also, the push factors are that that's, the U.S. You what? Know, that's just garbage. You learned that in some various school various that
5: to, Some you went to. Actually, we've got almost 100 million of Americans, American citizens, not working right now. So, like, don't tell me let, we need more. Let's labor. talk that's about. Let's stuff.
3: put it in perspective. There are 11 million undocumented immigrants. There's 320 million U.S. population. Are you going to tell me that 3.5 percent of the population are responsible for the problems of the other close to 97 percent? Of I course, I would never, so I would anywhere. never
5: make, you know, that's just another ludicrous argument. I would never make that claim. I don't think that. I think Americans that's exactly are mostly responsible. What people like you are making. I don't know who people like me are. Learn how to, like, follow a, a rational train of thought.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, first of all, 11 million Americans? Uh, 11, million, uh, 11 million undocumented uh, immigrants? I think it
1: uh, was 11 million in 1995. I think there's 11 million in San Bernardino alone, actually. I
2: would, I would think.
1: Well, And one interesting statistic, by the way, uh, regarding the net loss, uh, roughly about a third of federal prison inmates are illegal aliens. Uh, okay.
2: But they're only like 3% of the of the—of course, they're probably bigger than that, but— um, you know, what, you know what's funny is is when you go to other countries. If you've been to uh, Ensenada mm-hmm. or any place in Mexico, or you've been to other countries, you find out that they have different cultures. So we used to bring people in this country to me- to melt into our culture. Now we say, "Hey, bring your culture over here." Well, in America, it's not right to kill people. It's not okay to rape little girls. It's not okay to do any of that stuff. They come from other countries where that might be not so not so fiercely frowned upon. And it, and it amazes me that people are
1: going, hey, bring these people in, they're people too. We don't know what we're bringing in here. No, ex- exactly. And, and my father-in-law immigrated to this country from Mexico legally he went through the system he had to go through history classes he had to have a job for him you didn't just walk over here and squat that that wasn't going to happen and there's a reason why he left mexico obviously because there's there is more opportunities here but he came here to become an american he learned english hello i've had to learn spanish because in my business i'm getting more and more people coming in that only speak spanish and don't seem to even want to try to learn english
2: hey i'm going to be we're going to be in mexico and then next week sometime I know the I know enough mech I know enough Spanish to get me by Ma cerveza, por favor is good enough for me very good so uh, <laughs> hey you know what uh, we only have a few seconds left have you noticed this ancestry.com oh man I thought I was I thought I was German I had my lederhosen and everything then I found out I was I was uh, Swiss or uh, or whatever or Scottish so I traded my later hosen for for kilt you're American what the hell absolutely hey we're out of time for uh, this episode of uh, the main event. Next week and the week after, you'll have Scott all to yourself. It's going to be good. All right. Thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you in three weeks.
1: The content in this program is not intended to be legal advice. News expressed for those Ed Hoffman and is invited guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or policies of Wholesale Capital Corporation. WCC is licensed by the California Bureau of Real Estate Broker License, number 01147747, and California Finance Lenders License, number 603K610, also licensed in Arizona by the Arizona Department of Financial Institutions, MB number 096199.